Welcome to the very first episode of Saturday School. This is Ada. You might know Brian Hu and I from our other podcast called Bullet Train, or maybe you've read our writing over the years. I'm a journalist, and Brian is a film scholar and currently the artistic director of the San Diego Asian Film Festival. However you found us, we wanted to let you know that this is a new podcast we decided to start called Saturday School. It's a bit looser, more conversational, but basically it's an Asian pop culture history podcast. Recently, there's been a lot of talk about how there aren't enough Asian American stories in the media and how we wish there are more, which is definitely true that there should be more. But there's also a very deep and varied history of Asian American storytelling that is worth revisiting. So that's what we want to do. We want to bring some of these things out of the vault. We'll be running with this school theme. So the first course, aka season of the show, will be focused on Asian American comedy films. There'll be 10 episodes and they'll be released every Saturday morning at 8 a.m., which is when we had to go to Chinese school as kids. And I don't know if things have changed since the 80s and 90s, but back then, I believe the teachers were all volunteers. So in that spirit, let's be honest, we're kind of making this up as we go along. And I'm going to mess up Brian's audio at least 50% of the time. But stick with us. This is our way of paying tribute to the Asian American storytellers that have come before us, and really just a good excuse to tell people about things we love and think you should watch. So let's get started. I'm going to play our theme song, and then I'm just going to drop you in the middle of our conversation. I'm Brian Hu. I'm Ada Singh. And welcome to Saturday School. When your friends are watching Saturday morning cartoons, you're being forced to learn Asian American pop culture history. Ada, why don't you tell, uh, like, tell the audience why anyone should listen to you? What, what, are, what are your credentials here? I have no credentials. So, so many, many of you may be wondering, like, who are we to hold classes on, on, uh, on such a phenomenon? Oh, really, yeah, we, we don't really know what we're talking about. Brian knows what he's talking I about. I, I feel like this is, this is like such a amorphous thing. Like, who, who can even claim that they're an expert? We met editing a magazine called Asia Pacific Arts. So we've seen a lot of Asian American cinema. A lot. Yeah. Part of our jobs were to go to all of these Asian American film festivals. And we were kind of just out of college at that point. That's like the decade that was sort of the heyday. It was post Better Luck Tomorrow, and that's when we got a lot of influx of Asian American film. And we would just watch as many films as we could in a day and try to write about everything. Take road trips to San Francisco. I think a lot of our education came from just grabbing people and asking if we can interview them. We've watched so many things that we've loved over the years. So part of this podcast is us trying to direct you guys to performances. Because we know if you don't know that much about independent cinema, especially Asian American cinema, it's really hard to know where to start. And maybe for us, we don't want you to start with the bad stuff and then give up on it. There's a lot of bad stuff. Yeah. Yeah, we don't want you to accidentally stumble on some mediocre student project. So why do we call it Saturday School? Whenever you get a bunch of like second generation Asian Americans together, you find out that everybody knows certain things that you feel like there's a kinship there. And I think for a lot of second generation Chinese Americans in particular, they know of Saturday school. Those schools that we were forced to go to on Saturday mornings where you learn Chinese. What was your Chinese school experience like? It was, it was kind of a joke. What was it? This is where I learned how to cheat on tests. Oh. It's like the one place... The one time a Chinese-American second generation could legitimately fail at something and get away with it. Because the parents are like, 
at least they're learning something. Like we can't really, like we're forcing them into this. This, this is not going to be on their, their transcript for the rest of their lives. Yeah, I think that's how people generally say it. it's like, you know, we had to go to school on Saturday morning while our other friends could be, you know, staying at home watching cartoons, sleeping in. So we decided to start this podcast kind of as a nod to that. I think we wanted to use this quote-unquote class to quote-unquote educate our quote-unquote <laughs> audience. But we're going to be teaching our own version of culture and history. It won't be Chinese culture and history, but it'll be kind of like our take on Asian American history. Yeah, all the stuff that you're not going to learn in school. We expect you all to wake up and listen to it at 8 a.m. Haven't done your homework. Right. There will be homework. Right. So our first course will be about Asian American comedy. Yeah. Seems like a, a nice way to, to ease both our listeners and ourselves into this. Yeah, it'll be something fun. Yeah. So our first class, mm-hmm. we decided it would be nice to start with something a little bit familiar. So we're going to start by talking about Randall Park. Not Fresh Off the Boat or The Interview or anything that he's known for now, but his short films. Like right now, we sort of think of him as TV star on a big network sitcom, the person who helped us get like Asian Americans on primetime television. But before that, like even when he wasn't so quote unquote big or famous, he was so respected. Like, yeah, I'm the artistic director of Pacific Arts Movement. That means I'm the head of programming for the San Diego Asian Film Festival. I'm pretty much watching every single Asian American narrative film, feature length to short films. I kind of know what the possibilities are out there in terms of the range of comedy and comedy styles. And Randall Park has always stood out. Like every time, if we get a submission that has his name on it, whether as an actor, director, whatever, he was everywhere. Like he put himself out there. He was very receptive to being part of the like Asian American cinema scene. A lot of people don't do that, and um, he, he knows way more about Asian American studies than we do. He, he was Asian American studies major at UCLA. Right, right. We've always been learning from him. Well, on that note, what have we learned? Okay. <laughs> do you remember the first time you saw a Randall Park performance? I do. And it's because at that point, I had not seen a whole lot yet. So this is in 2004. Uh, I was covering the San Francisco International Asian American Film Festival for the college paper. And they sent me a bunch of screeners on, on VHS tapes. And I watched the shorts program. And so all of them were funny and all of them were comedy. But the one that stuck out to me that I still remember to this day, even, this is before I knew who he was, it was called Dragon of Love, where this hapless Asian dude is at a bar. And he's like, <laughs> just talking about his dream girl. You know what I've always wanted? What's that, Joel? A black woman. <laughs> yeah, you know, when I when I think of the definition of true beauty, I think of a black woman. And then um, he meets one. Turns out she has an Asian fetish. <laughs> it's 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 kind of like you know you're turning to tables around a guy who's objectifying people because of race so she takes him to her house and then when he comes in he suddenly sees all these blown up photos of, yeah, and it's like, like bruce lee jackie chan jet lee bolo and then um she has him wear samurai outfits she wants him to play the part of a certain kind of oriental she's seen from from film and tv she comes out and she brings one of those cone Chinaman hats. Yeah, yeah. And this is like when they're having a lot of sex and she's like, hey, can you just put this on for me? Kind of like the way that a man would ask his girlfriend to put on a French maid outfit. 
Right. <laughs> but she asked him to put on it was a Sulu costume. A Chinese takeout guy. <laughs> a Chinese takeout guy. But, but the great thing is it's, it's all played on Randall's face. It's just a face of, I really need the sex. So I am not <laughs> going to say no to this. So he continues to do it. But also the face of, this is a realization that I'm having gradually that maybe it's a bad way of approaching relationships. Right, right. Looking at it now, it seems definitely like of a certain time, like a certain kind of identity politics time. But what I remember the most was just like how caught like deer in the headlights he was by his own ignorance, but but also fueled by his own like need to secure his Asian American manhood. And it could have been a very serious conversation about why we should not objectify people by the race. But I guess it's the first time I saw these kind of issues done in a way that's more about comedy than about... Like anger. Or having a lesson to the, to the viewer about race. I actually, so I hadn't seen it until really recently. I think it's still funny. <laughs> it's, it's definitely funny. Like, I show it to my interns because oh, yeah? it's right on the nose. Yeah. Yeah. And for, for better or worse, but it's, it's, still, it's still a great comedic performance. And you can find it on YouTube. It was written by Michael Golomko, who um, is a writer on Grimm. Also, like, Hugh Ho was part of it, and he's a producer who does stuff with John Chu. I don't know. I recognize these names because I recently did a story on LCC, which is the um, theater group that Randall and his friends created at UCLA 20 years ago. That group, once they graduated, turned into a group called Propaganda. So it's nice to see, like, these are kind of the first things that they were making back in the day. And that's how you kind of got to know. <laughs> yes. I remember the first time it was for Propaganda, their um, Asian American theater group at the time. And it was me and our friend Ann Lee. We were there with, like, this dinky little camera interviewing them. And I think they probably didn't, they didn't take us that seriously. <laughs> so they were just messing around, which actually made for a really fun interview because it was just, you kind of got a sense of them as performers, more performers than people probably. Some of them were answering the questions seriously. And then some of them like Tim Chu and Randall Park were just almost like playing a character. It's like we would ask him a question and he would just look at us like, he had no idea what we were talking about, and then he would just answer stuff in like two words. And I, don't, I can't even really describe it because it's not like if I said the words, it would be funny. It was just kind of like him and his reactions, you know, his, his reactions. His but I remember leaving that interview and being like, that guy is really funny. Yeah. I wrote his first cover story for Corey M. Journal. And when I was thinking about his filmography and, you know, especially the stuff that he's written for himself, there's an earnestness to it. Yes, it's a very charming, innocent earnestness. Yeah, and I think because of that, he can get away with a lot more. Yeah. So if you look at Dragon of Love, in the beginning, he's the guy who has this black fetish. He, you know, he can play these roles that if he weren't so likable, wouldn't work. He can push the boundaries and dare you to not like him because he knows mm. he can get you back. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I think that's very Randall Park. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so should we take a look at another short film? Yeah, what should we so, like, like Siamese Dad? I love that one. That's him kind of playing a straight man in an absurd world. Is yeah, that what he knows about? it's absurd. He's like, why am I in this world? Right, right. And does nobody else realize <laughs> right. how weird this is? Right, yeah, that's what he's really good at. The premise of that is, so after drinking a potion, suddenly he wakes up one day and he finds himself conjoined to his father, his Korean immigrant father, who's played by Charles Kim. He's not much older than Randall. <laughs> no. So what's the verdict, Doc? Well... You guys share one beating heart, so if you perform the surgery, one of you will be without a heart, which guarantees death. 
So I guess separating us before my lunch date is out of the question. All he wants to do is like go on a date with this girl. I don't want to go on this date with you. Oh, you have no choice. We're Siamese twins. We are not Siamese. We are Korean. Jesus Christ. That's also like a classic Randall Park story. It's like this guy is in this weird situation and really all he wants to do is, you know, go on a date with this girl. But like he's conjoined to his father. <laughs> and, and, and the rest of the world does seem to think this is weird. And they, and they, they throw shade at it in their own kind of like, in a way that's sort of like, I don't want to make a big deal of this. <laughs> but you're conjoined to your father. <laughs> and Randall has, has this look on his face of, I know. I know. <laughs> it's like, and it's like these low budget films. Where, yeah, like how did they make, no money on <laughs> how did they make the t-shirt that fit over both of them? Sort of a um, homespun kind of simpleness. And yeah. I think Randall embodies that through his comedy. Like it's, it's based in just a simple, innocent sweetness. Yeah. But it's a little bit deranged. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I, th I actually think that Siamese Dad is a reminder that a lot of his short films are so different from that sanitized ABC fresh out the boat. There's a lot of risque, off-the-wall, rule-breaking kind of humor that he's indulging in during these years, like, like Dr. Miracles. <laughs> you, want, you want to explain what Dr. Miracles <laughs> We both watched it, but we just re-watched it right now, and it was just as good as ever. Um, so it starts off with him... Ironically, because he's on Fresh Off the Boat now, but he's, you know, speaking Chinese, <laughs> playing what is like from like 1927. 27. He's speaking. I mean, it's, it's if you actually understand Chinese, it's like that much funnier because you're like hearing him trying to speak Chinese and saying ridiculous things. Um, but basically, he, he has a friend who has cancer and she wants to give a blowjob for the last time. Through this encounter, he realizes that um, his semen yeah. has like a magical cure for all things. All ailments. All, yeah, all ailments. Suddenly she's healed. Oral sex and the thing is like it's it's like hard to describe because it doesn't sound i mean it sounds a little bit funny when we describe it but still there's we can't do it justice because you have right. to see his face <laughs> you have to see <laughs> and this is another example of it's like low budget but it's so super fun at some point he has a mustache and then eddie shin makes another appearance as this old doctor but he just has like a white mustache and they don't like bother to make <laughs> white but the premise is taken so seriously it's this guy going to america to be a doctor he can cure people with his semen but you know he can't be upfront about this because people look down on this apparently <laughs> that's not the standard yeah. this is not south dakota <laughs> but like what makes him so funny doing it is this could easily be taken to like a very misogynistic place yeah but he has this, this bewilderment about his own powers. He's trying to help. It's earnest, right? Dr. Goldstein, my job is to save lives. And if that means breaking the rules, then goddammit, I will break the rules. I will look the rules straight in the eye and say, suck my dick, rules. And, and everyone is great in it. Yeah, everyone's really good in it. So there's that one. Yeah. And then um, another one where he, he finds the secret ingredients once again. The food? Yeah. Gather round! 
the failing restaurant owner. We lost yet another customer to P.F. Chang's. Fuck, why does everybody go there? Even I go there. I do too. And he doesn't want to put MSG in his food, but he happens to come across the cocaine dealer. <laughs> yeah. So for uh, LA natives, Jonathan Gold is this restaurant critic that wrote for LA Weekly for a while. He's trying to get a really good review from Jonathan Gold. Holy shit. D'Angelo, I want you to cook the chow mein just like you always do. Only this time, put four cups of cocaine in it. Cocaine? Are you sure? The restaurant game is just like the drug game. You got the heart to be in this shit, because shit just got real. The other amazing thing about this rewatching it is that Jonathan Gold is played by Hari Kondabolu. How'd you like the food, Mr. Gold? Let me just say, that was the best fucking chow mein I've ever had in my whole fucking life. I've never given a restaurant more than five stars, but your restaurant, I'm going to give. 27 stars and that's kind of what one of the fun things of going back and watching these old shorts a lot of people that you kind of recognize in the film industry now they got their start in these randall park shorts like kobe smolders who was on how i met your mother and is in these avengers films now eddie shin he's done a lot of stuff but because i'm a big gilmore girls fan gilmore girls fans might remember him as lane's first boyfriend it's fun to see that they were funny when they were first starting out. They weren't funny because they later became attached to certain writers that were very good. So Randall, we could say he's been lucky because he's got to work on shows like Veep and Incredible Enthusiasm, where it's like really smart writers are bringing him up. When you watch these, you realize you know, he's, he's been surrounded by great comedy for so long because he's written it. And I think that's part of what we want to show you guys if you haven't seen it, where it's sort of like, yeah, you might think he's really funny on Fresh Off the Boat, but look at his shorts that he wrote and directed. What's really exciting about about his success on Fresh Off the Boat is that maybe he'll actually get this chance to write, direct, and act in his own things and what the possibilities yeah. are for that. And then your favorite is Ikea Heights. Ikea Heights is my favorite. I mean, it, it just, it's a conceptual piece. It's, it's brilliant and... Okay, describe what it is for so, people who haven't seen it. So a cast of comics decide to set a soap opera like a Days of Our Lives in an Ikea without the permission of Ikea. <laughs> <laughs> or without even the knowledge of anybody who's working at Ikea or anybody who's shopping at Ikea. So they go into the showrooms where there are beds and sinks and, and living rooms and they set scenes in all of them. I'm sick of your lies, Candace. I want a divorce. James. But you thought I wouldn't find out? I can't deal with this now. I just found out my dead brother is alive and he has amnesia. Who am I? Oh dear brother. So it's already like they're getting away with something. Because at some point you start seeing bystanders because they're looking for furniture. And, and after a while you start, it seems like they're starting to incorporate it or they're like very much acknowledging the fact that they should not be doing this here. This is not a set. At some point they have to get shut down. I think they got kicked out at yeah, some point. As they should have been. And every other actor is like kind of winking at the audience except Randall. Like the whole time he's like, why are you giving me that look? There is something character actor about him because he can do different things. He can also just play something completely insane. Like a lot of his work he's done over the years have been these like bit parts in movies. And he comes in and he kind of steals the scene and he leaves. But he never does it by like coming in with a storm of jokes. He's always like caught in between other kinds of hijinks. But his, his the way he reacts to the world is, is uniquely Randall. And it's like it's rare to have like, like who are the Asian American comedy auteurs? There are some, and I think we're going to talk about them. But, uh, but Randall has to be one of them. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's like a unique voice. Right. And, and how often do we even talk about Asian American unique comedy voices? So I think what we want to do is break it down week by week 
and show that there are unique personal voices that are idiosyncratic and then that make us laugh for different reasons. So that's our first episode. Next week, next week, your homework is to watch Jessica Yu's comedy Ping Pong Play Act starring Jimmy Tsai. It's always important to do your homework, but if you don't, don't worry. You can cheat off of us. Class dismissed.